0: Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States of America. We'll construct a second fab here in Phoenix to build chips, the three nano chips, the three nano chip chips and the three nano. And you know what I'm saying. This has been the President of the United States of America. May God have mercy on our souls. Stu does America.
1: StuDoesMerch.com is the place to go to get your Christmas presents. Only a couple days, just make sure you get your presents delivered on time. So you might wanna go right now, use the code Stu20 for 20% off of everything. Help us win the merch war versus evil here in the Blaze building. These other shows, they don't deserve your money, but I do. If you're watching on YouTube, like this video right now, subscribe to the channel, click the bell, do all the things. Jennifer Say is here today to tell us about how she had to lose her job to get her voice back. AOC is under an ethics investigation. How will her gin and tonic making skills get her out of this one? We will never know. But we start by doing the Lord of War. And honestly, what I'd like to do right now is just do a monologue on the movie, The Lord of War. But that's a totally different thing. We'll get to that here in a second maybe. But let's instead start with what happened overnight. Uh, This is a big development in the case between uh, the United States and Russia as it relates to Brittany Griner, the WNBA player The president had a big announcement to make this morning.
0: In the Oval Office, I spoke with Brittany Griner. She's safe, she's on a plane, she's on her way home. After months of being unjustly detained in Russia, held under intolerable circumstances, Brittany will soon be back in the arms of her loved ones and, uh, and she should have been there all along. This is a day we've worked toward for a long time. We never stopped pushing for her release. It took painstaking and intense negotiations. And I want to thank all the hardworking public servants across my administration who worked tirelessly to secure her release. Mm. Uh,
1: WNBA star Brittany Griner released from Russian custody in a high profile prisoner swap between the U.S. and Moscow. And that was kind of how the day started. The White House said that the Griner release was a difficult decision for Biden. And, you know. This is sort of a three-part story arc here. Three things you really need to think about when you're talking about the Brittany Griner situation. And none of them are WNBA-related because no one cares about the WNBA. I care about Brittany Griner as a U.S. citizen. I don't care about her as a WNBA player because it, it makes no difference to me whatsoever if the WNBA exists or if it goes away forever. I don't care about that. But I do care about Brittany Griner because she's an American citizen. And that's part one here. It's important to say this. I really want Brittany Griner to be back in the United States. I'm glad she's back in the United States. I'm glad she's not in a Russian prison camp for a crime she may or may not have committed. Look, the Russians aren't exactly trustworthy when it comes to saying uh, that she had drugs on her at the airport. Maybe she did. It's not exactly out of, you know, some of the reporting, out of character from some of the reporting on uh, Brittany Griner and many other athletes when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, CBD, uh, not even CBD, you know, marijuana-related vaping and hashish, and there's all sorts of, you know, reporting, uh, all sorts of reports on this. We don't know if she did it or not, honestly. If we have to be clear here, we can't trust Russian authorities. She did admit to it, but, you know, what, gunpoint? (laughs) You know, who the hell knows if she did it or not? It's not important, because if she did do it, putting her in a prison camp for nine years is not an appropriate uh, uh, punishment for that crime. So I'm glad she's back. Uh, Here is uh, her uh, wife on the release. This is uh, ABC News.
2: Today, my family is whole, but as you all are aware, there are so many other families who are not whole, and so BG's not here to say this, but I will gladly speak on her behalf and say that BG and I will remain committed to the work of getting every American home, including Paul, whose family is in our hearts today as we celebrate BG being home. We do understand that there are still people out here who are enduring what I endured the last nine months of missing tremendously their loved ones. So thank you everybody for your support um, and today it's just a happy day for me and my family.
1: I'm happy for her. Uh, I know if, if I was held captive somewhere I'm sure my wife would get out in front of the you know the microphones and say we're really glad SB's coming home. You know SB's been gone for nine months and SB needs to come back here right now. SB where are you? Please come back SB and that's exactly how she'd say it I'm sure. I'm really glad that she's home and 100 percent that's great. That's part one, and part one's important. I'm not blowing off part one. In fact, I led with part one, and I want that to be noted. But there are part two and part three where I start to get a little, I start to crinkle my brow just a bit. I'm glad Brittany Griner is home, but Paul Whelan is also over there in Russia, has been held for ridiculous reasons. He's been accused of being a spy. He's not a spy. Uh, but he's been held over there for multiple years. And it's just hard for me to understand how we couldn't get both of these people. We'll get into why here in just a second. But what kind of trades are we making in, in this? What, we're, like the, uh, we're like the Minnesota Vikings back in the 90s trading for Herschel Walker. It's like, you know, I, are we doing this right We've kind of destroyed our franchise for the next decade and handed Dallas a freaking dynasty. I don't really understand the trade all that well. I'm glad she's home. But what about Paul Whelan? Whelan's a former Marine. Why isn't he back? Here's Biden talking about just that.
0: She wrote to me back in July. She didn't ask for special treatment, even though we've been working on a release from the day one. She requested a simple quote, please don't forget about me and the other American detainees. Please do all you can to bring us home. We never forgot about Brittany. We've not forgotten about Paul Whelan, who's been unjustly detained in Russia for years.
1: Mm-hmm. He has been, and he's got, I think, what, 14 to 16 years remaining on a sentence for nothing. I mean, they're calling him a spy. He's not a spy. This is a ridiculous claim by the Russian government to try to hold it over our heads and pull, extract things from us, which they've successfully done. The GOP has ripped Britney Griner deal for sta- uh, stranding Paul Whelan in Russia. Celebrities over veterans. And that's kind of what bothers me about this. Does anybody believe the reason we brought Brittany Griner home is because well, that was the only thing we could get, or, well, they wouldn't give us Paul Whelan, or, you know, is there anything other than just the fact that Brittany Griner's a famous basketball player? That's what I'm getting at here. Look, some people care about Brittany Griner because she's a famous basketball player. I care about her solely because she's an American citizen, but I would put her on equal footing, of course, with Paul Whelan. Now, I personally have a bit of understanding if you were Outwardly, doing this for chivalrous reasons. If you were to say, "Look, Brittany Griner is a woman, and we don't want a, a female president over there, a female prisoner over there," even though we want Paul Whelan back, we chose Brittany Griner because she's a, a female. I would be fine with that, that sort of reasoning. I think a lot of people would be fine with that kind of reasoning. I think probably Paul Whelan would be fine with that kind of reasoning. It doesn't make any sense for the White House to use that kind of reasoning, though, and they didn't use that kind of reasoning because they can't admit that there are any differences between men and women. In fact, they can't even define what a woman is. All they tell us all the time is that gender is fluid and we can't, you know, men and women are exactly the same, so they can't come out and say, you know what, actually we brought her back because we didn't want a female over there in prison. We, you know, we got a Marine and we're going to let him be stranded over there for a a longer time because we wanted to rescue a woman. I think a lot of Honestly, a lot of conservatives would say, hey, look, do I like Brittany Griner? Do I like the fact that she's kneeling in anthems? Do I like the fact that she doesn't seem to have much of an opinion of the United States of America? Maybe she'll change that now that they've bailed her out of a Russian prison camp. Maybe we'll see a little bit of a change on that. I hope we do. And I can understand being critical of that. But like, end of the day, do, would I rather have a female prisoner back here? You know, yeah, I would. Would you? Would the Biden administration? I don't think the Biden administration can say that. They can't even seem to define what a woman is. Biden did, of course, speak on uh, why Paul Whelan wasn't released by Brittany Griner. And Paul Whelan, of course, came out himself in a phone call to CNN to say he was disappointed the Biden administration has not done more to secure his release. Now, he also sort of said, his bro- and I know his brother also said this, we'll get into this in a second, that maybe, hey, it's okay, you know. It's okay, you know. The guy's a Marine. He's obviously had a rough, rough time, but he's a tough person, and, and I think cares a lot about another American citizen being released. Anthony Blinken was able to comment on this as well. He was talking about whether and why the administration did not push harder to get Paul Whelan home. While we're elated at Brittany returning home, we continue to work relentlessly to bring Paul Whelan home as well. Despite our efforts, the Russian government has not yet been willing to end his wrongful detention. They continue to insist on sham charges of espionage and are treating Paul's case differently. As a result, Paul and his loved ones continue to suffer needlessly and unjustly. This
0: was not a choice of which American to bring home.
1: Hmm.
0: The choice was one or none Hmm. I wholeheartedly wish that we could have brought Paul home today
1: on the same plane as Brittany, just as at the time I wish we could have brought Brittany and Paul home when we secured the release of Trevor Reed back in April. But Hmm. we will stay at it. Hmm. Well, you stay at that, Anthony. Please do that. Um, Not everybody thought this smelled just right. In fact, and this is the most difficult part of today's program, I will be honest with you. I don't like what I'm going to do but I'm about to say something generally positive about someone on the Dallas Cowboys, and I don't wanna do that. I feel like I'm letting you down by just uttering words like this, but Micah Parsons decided to uh, comment on this, and after getting the news on the uh, Griner situation and Paul Whelan being left behind, he said, wait, nah, we left a Marine, hell nah. And that is, I think, I think he connected with almost every American in that moment. You know, Micah Parsons, unfortunately, is a very good football player. I would like him to be much worse, Uh, but he's a very good football player. And I I don't think he's a big partisan guy by any means. He's just coming out and saying, wait a minute. We I mean, like, great, Brittany Griner. But like we had a Marine there. We just left him like what 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 the hell is going on here now? When I talk about stupid people, a lot of times I talk about Jamel Hill because she's kind of one of the you know, best examples of someone who's an idiot. Um, But in this particular case, it's specifically about her. Now, she posted a clip of an article. I want to read this to you here in a second. But this is what she said, responding to Micah Parsons, who just was showing disgust about leaving a Marine behind. Jamel Hill writes, The tiniest bit of reading really could have helped you not tweet something so uninformed. David Whelan is Paul Whelan's brother. That's what she wrote. Now, here is the article. Now, again, the point here. Is that she was trying to say he didn't read enough to understand that it wasn't a choice between the two? You heard Anthony Blinken say just that, but is that actually true? There's a decent amount of evidence it is not, and I will start here with this report. It goes on for a while describing uh, the situation of the day and talk to, talks about uh, who was traded. But the official, this is the end of, this is the screen capture that Jamel Hill actually herself posted starts it's so important to me that it is clear that we do not begrudge Mrs. Greiner her freedom David Whelan said as I've often remarked Brittany and Paul's cases were never really intertwined it has always been a strong possibility that one might be freed without the other and you can see the the uh, the parts of Jamel's Jamel Hill's brain that that operate Saying, see, he just said they're not intertwined. They're not connected. Well, she took an extra paragraph of the story by mistake. At the end of that paragraph, it says uh, the, the official, a U.S. official, said Russia has treated Whelan differently because he's an excused spy, and that the Kremlin gave the White House the choice of either Greiner or Whelan or none. Griner, Whelan or none. So they did choose between Griner or Whelan, at least according to the reports that came out and from U.S. officials. Now, what's fascinating about that is not only could with just a little bit of reading of the actual screenshot you yourself posted, could you note that that was included and there was a choice made, but. Also, you probably would have learned how to spell his name, which she, of course, misspelled in her tweet about how dumb Micah Parsons was. If he had just done the tiniest bit of reading, perhaps she would have been able to recognize that the thing she was saying was untrue and she spelled the guy's name wrong. That's kind of a side issue, because the article later on, I think it was The Washington Post, had been self-edited to take that phrase out. So... The current version of the story no longer says there was a choice made, obviously stepping up the correction from the White House. There's a lot of back uh, end pressure if you happen to be in the mainstream media these days, so you have to get the story right, at least as the the people who give you all the information, they're going to uh, soothe you until you get that story just the way they want you to get it. Not that it was actually noted that the edit occurred. Again, it was stealth edited, which is really remarkable. But the third part of this saga is maybe the most important. What did we give up in this trade? I know we got uh, in return a a center slash power forward. Okay, that's great. And we didn't get the Marine that's over there. But what did we give up in this deal? Well, we gave up a sixth round pick in the 2024 draft. Yes, that. But also we gave up Victor Boot. Victor Boot. It's not just some guy. He's not a basketball player who has a potentially BS drug charge against them. He's not even a former Marine who you're blatantly lying about claiming was a spy. Victor Boot is a bad, bad guy. He is an arms dealer who rose to prominence after the fall of the Soviet Union and was featured in the, well sort of featured, it was based on life in the movie Lord of War, starring Nicolas Cage. Now, this movie is incredibly underrated. It's such a good movie. It's one of those weird, obscure movies that I've watched. I have to be in the top one-tenth of a percent of people uh, as far as how many times I've viewed this movie. I love this movie. And now, it's, you know, there's lots of liberal nonsense in there about guns and war, and you have to kind of get past that. But it's a really, really good movie. Well done, and a crazy story that's pretty much true in the movie. Basically, a guy, he rises up, um, and is able to start a company, a, a shipping company that becomes a big arms runner across the entire world. The guy was running guns all over the world. He was able to take advantage of the fall of the Soviet Union and raid these Soviet satellite states and their military caches to get thousands and thousands and thousands of weapons, buy them by you know pennies on the dollar, and send them over to places like Liberia and other African civil wars that were going on at the time, often supplying both sides of the same conflict and making himself very, very wealthy. You know, you know all the things he wound up doing, living the life back in, in the States while escaping very narrow circumstances over and over again. The movie's fantastic, go watch Lord of War, it's, it's awesome. Don't watch it with your kids. Um, the, the bigger part of this is this guy is a, an international criminal. When he was captured, he was talking to the, uh, someone he believed was a Colombian terrorist who told them, we're going to use the weapons you're giving me to shoot down U.S. pilots. And his response to that was, we have the same enemy. Unfortunately for him, he was talking to an undercover agent. He wound up uh, getting arrested. This is after the movie The Lord of War was made and everything else. He's been in prison for a while and should be in prison forever. The fact that we traded him back to Russia for a basketball player is quite insane. It is a lot to give up in a trade. I want Brittany Griner home. I am sure the Minnesota Vikings wanted Herschel Walker, but they gave up too much. We gave up a lot. We didn't even get the two people we've been discussing over all of this time. And at the end of the day, we did something here that we might wind up paying a massive price for later on. This guy is bad news, and now he's running free. I love Tommy John. They've got great stuff. And you know what? I will say, I, I've heard Tommy John's commercials before. And Tommy John commercials kind of air on a lot of podcasts. I hear them all the time. And I heard them all the time, like a thousand times. And a thousand straight times, I thought to myself, you know, I don't know. Is it really that good? Come on. How good can it be? It's underwear. Well, I got a news for you uh, Tommy John is life changing. I love the stuff. Uh, their, their underwear, their loungewear, it's comfortable, it fits great. It breathes well. It does all the things you need underwear to do. And then all the problems you've ever had with underwear in your life, you're thinking to yourself, eh, I don't like the way this stretches or the way it sits or it's a, it gives me wedgies or the, 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 the roll at the top kind of bends over. None of that stuff happens. They solved all of these problems. How have they done this? I don't know. With over 18 million pairs sold, people love Tommy John underwear. That's why Tommy John doesn't have customers. They have fanatics, and I'm one of them. The loungewear by itself. Forget it, the underwear for a second. The loungewear. Buy this for somebody for Christmas. They're going to love lounging around the house in Tommy John Loungewear. Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee is going on as well. You can go to TommyJohn.com slash stew right now for 20% off your first order. 20% off right now at TommyJohn.com slash stew. TommyJohn.com slash stew. You can see the site for details. And, of course, that site is TommyJohn.com slash stew. I'm happy to welcome Jennifer Say to the program. She's the former brand president for Levi's and author of the new book, Levi's Unbuttoned, The Woke Mob Took My Job But Gave Me My Voice, which you can pick up today wherever you get your books. Jennifer, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad you came by and did this. Um, you have an incredible story. Before we get even to the Levi's part, can you kind of walk people quickly through you know, how you got to the point where you were this bigwig at Levi's?
2: Well, I started at Levi's in 1999. Um, I spent over 20 years there. Actually, it was close to 23 by the end. Mm. I worked my way all the way up the ladder. I was entry-level marketing assistant, and I ultimately became the brand president in 2020. Wow.
1: Um, well, that's a, I mean, and that's basically the top of the heap, right? You're, it's
2: pretty much the top of the heap. It's next well, in line for CEO. Right.
1: So way up there. Yeah. That's a big deal. You go through this and, and, and you're doing other things as well. You were an athlete, uh, you made documentary films. Uh, so you kind of had a really broad experience here, which brings you to a point in your life where you've know you you've achieved a lot, things are going really well. And then of course, we all kind of get hit in the face at the same time with a pandemic that shuts everything down and changes all of our lives. Where, where are you at this, at this point when this happens?
2: Yeah, I had spent, you know, 20 years at Levi's. I wrote a book while I was there. First book. I Mm -hmm. made a film. It's part of the reason I loved it there is I was able to do all these other things and use my voice. But then in (laughs) 2020 of March, um, I was very outspoken about the public school closures in San Francisco, which is where I lived. Um, Schools were closed for 18 months in San Francisco, playgrounds were closed for close to nine months. So basically children were the most restricted. I mean, San Francisco was really, really restricted, but children were more restricted than anyone. And this struck me as utterly wrong. They're the most um, vulnerable to these restrictions for adverse outcomes and the least vulnerable to COVID. Right. So I was very outspoken about this from literally March, 2020. I was told repeatedly over the course of two years that I needed to stop in the middle of that I got promoted to brand president from chief marketing officer. So I was doing a good job. Right. But it ultimately uh, in January of 22, I was told that there was no place for me at the company. And it really became a you are not one of us anymore. You don't uphold these beliefs that we all need to stay home forever. You're a bad person.
1: (laughs) Right. And and the. Which is strange, because you're not you're not coming from like a hardcore conservative background, right?
2: No, I would have <laughs> self-identified as left of left of center mm. up until two years ago. Three yeah. I mean two years. Now I don't apply those labels anymore. Right. I'm like, I believe what I believe and I'm not gonna run from one side to the other side. You know, I um, I believe in freedom <laughs> first and foremost. Yeah. And this was the greatest, you know, imposition is a nice word on our freedoms that I could fathom. It's undemocratic. People couldn't congregate, worship, send their children to school. I don't. That's un-American.
1: It's a really good word for it, because I think your story is really an American success story. Kind of like what we would put out there is like, hey, here is this is you can do this in America. Right. And. It really takes a turn after COVID happens. Now, were you out there saying like crazy conspiracy theories? Were you what what when you talk about advocating for kids to be back in school, what were you saying exactly?
2: I was saying I was citing data that children were at little to no risk from the virus.
1: Mm-hmm. Very that true. That's that we, that we know that's fact. true. It was true but, then, it's true now. But that was
2: labeled conspiratorial, it was. even though the data was there to support it. The median age of death in the very early days was over 80. <laughs> so that means children are, you and, know, kind of OK, are OK. That's so a, that
1: was a, you know, look, it was a really tough period. But like that was a blessing of of this particular virus in that, like kids really were it is, able to escape the worst. Effects. It
2: is a blessing. Mm-hmm. But even, you know, I was obsessively reading data I read, I went back to 2006 and read the CDC's pre-pandemic playbook. Yeah. Because I was. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. We, yeah, We all had those days yeah, where I we were too a, buried in spreadsheets. Yeah,
2: I, I was buried. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even for fatality rates far higher than COVID, they said never to close the schools for more than a few weeks. Denmark opened their schools after three weeks into this because mm-hmm. they said the harms were too great. Sweden never closed them. So. We knew. Mm -hmm. It's not that we didn't know, right? Mm -hmm. Other countries were doing the right thing for children. So no, these were not conspiracy theories, you know, citing data that children were largely spared from the virus and that there would be harms done, learning loss as well as mental health impacts. And now guess what? That's exactly what we're seeing. But Mm -hmm. I was um, literally accused of being a conspiracy theorist. I was asked Directly, are you a conspiracy theorist? As if anyone answers yes to that question.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny because both sides of your argument were proven completely correct, right? Both sides of it. Has there been an apology? Has there been a, hey, look, we just were too wrapped up in the heat of the moment? Is there any of that that comes your way?
2: No, absolutely not. I mean, even... You know, as we all watch and the studies are published and it's all playing out exactly as I would said it would, mm-hmm. that there's terrible learning loss and mental health impacts. There's acknowledgement, but there is no ownership or accountability. In fact, what we're hearing is, well, let's not blame anyone, let's move forward. Yeah. I feel like it's important that we have some accountability, because otherwise these same decisions can and will be made again. There are already school closures happening now for flu in some cities across the country. I we're, going, we're going back to this again? Exactly. You know, I, I feel
1: like sensible people can have a, a little bit of grace for the, the deepest parts of this. For right? the very beginning. For the very beginning, right? We didn't really know all, everything, although we did know the child thing. I mean, that was there from the beginning. And I bring this up every once in a while. You know, um, Dr. Um, um, Michael Osterholm, he was on I remember hearing him on Joe Rogan right before this thing all started. And he, he was a, a disease expert. He was working later for the Biden administration as an advisor. And he said, now, closing the store, school is usually not the right thing in a situation like this. Everybody knew this at the time. But like, you know, even we, in Denmark, you mentioned three weeks. Okay, three weeks. All right, let's figure this out. Get our feet set. I understand this went on and on and on to the point that it almost seemed like it was less of an argument about the children and much more about an argument about how do we blame a red state for their bad policy so we can look better. Is that is that the right way of thinking of it?
2: A red state, President Trump, who said in the summer of 2020 schools needed to open. And as soon as he said that, the American Academy of Pediatrics reversed course and said, schools can't open, they need to close. It's very, very bad. Mm-hmm. It became utterly, viciously politicized. Um, those that did open, you know, their states, Ron DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, Governor Kemp, were demonized in the press as murderers.
1: They were. I mean, we were here, you know, Greg Abbott was another one. We, we went, you know, out to dinner as a family on May 1st, 2020, the first day they, they opened uh, restaurants. And I, mainly because my wife was going completely insane at that point.
2: Imagine if you'd had to go all the way till December uh, where it's... you lived for, to be able to leave the house.
1: Wouldn't have been able to do it. I mean, I, I, I can't, honestly, I can't believe in some ways society held together as well as it did in some of these yeah, areas exactly. that were trying these things. So you're, you're going through this process at Levi's where you've done nothing wrong. You're, you're, advocating for policies that are outwardly obvious, but also like a little bit politically sensitive, I guess you you might acknowledge, even though it shouldn't be.
2: It wasn't obvious. Like, I it's hard to describe the fever state and the f- religious fervor, mm. almost, Right. that was this belief that everyone needed to stay home in a place like San Francisco in California, more yeah. broadly, or else you were the worst, most horrible, selfish kind of person and you were a racist and a teacher murderer and you hated old people. I mean, that's what it was like. It, it seems reasonable now.
1: Right, it seems reasonable now. So let's, go, let's zero in on this a little bit. Racist. <laughs> I'm trying to put, my, to put the, the calculus together here to understand how what you were advocating for was racist because you were an executive at a big company but you didn't have your kids in private school. You know, I'm sure many of the executives did. All. all, Okay, all of the executives did. You were advocating for public schools to be open. How was this manufactured into a racism claim?
2: It takes a lot of mental gymnastics to get there, but the rationale (laughs) is if you think public schools should be open and that's what you're advocating for, then you don't care if black children die
1: but your children are at the same school.
2: Yeah, and two of my children are mixed race, actually.
1: This is incredible. But
2: that was the, you know, you're advocating for structurally racist policies, but in fact, as you point out, the structurally racist and classist policy Mm -hmm. was to have private schools open, which they were, mostly populated by wealthy white children and families, and to have public schools closed, and to have low-income children Black and brown children not have access to the same educational opportunity. That's the structurally racist and classist yes. policy. I
1: mean, absolutely right. And and you know, I, we talked about this a lot on the show during that time. And that we almost were creating a two-tiered society where places like Florida, like Texas, were able to go about their business and and like look, take their own risks for whatever that was. But especially with kids, they were able to access the the, 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 the system where. Places in in blue states and in San Francisco, for example, didn't get that opportunity. That's the type of thing I feel like a back in the day, the liberals would be screaming about. It. They'd be, they would say, they would be arguing racism the other way.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's why I feel like I didn't change. Although I wouldn't identify as the left of left of center or even a Democrat anymore mm-hmm. or a Republican. I'm an independent, sure. but I, that's why I was so puzzled because I was like, I haven't changed. Yeah. I still believe in equality of opportunity through education. Close to 25 million children in public schools, that's half of America's public school children, had disrupted education for 18 months.
1: 18 months? I mean, that is... uh, It's incomprehensible how much damage this is going to do. And you've taken everybody and put... You know, people who wanted to send their kids to private school or could afford to, st- people in certain uh, political environments, and was, and you've taken them and given them an incredible advantage over people who live in inner cities and can't access any of this stuff. Yeah, I mean,
2: that's and terrible. and a lot. Of, I mean, in San Francisco, sixty percent of the children in public school are low income, so they're at home in less than ideal circumstances. Very young children, often alone with no adult to supervise, because maybe they're. Hourly wage job, they're they're out in the world. Mm. They're essential workers. So, to say that we had school because we had Zoom school, is a lie.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I
2: mean, I'm these completely. kids had no yeah. education for a year and disrupted education for close to two years.
1: We, we had several weeks at the end of that 2020 school year. I have remember, You know, it was March. I think the kids get out in May. So it was six or eight weeks there where, where kids were home doing the Zoom school, and that was. It was a catastrophe it's, for everybody. It's you know? not
2: school. The kids no. weren't engaged, It sent the strong signal to them that they didn't matter, that they were inessential. And now what we're seeing, mm. you know, not only are they very far behind, they're completely disengaged from school. Chronic absenteeism is as high as 90% in some schools in San Francisco right now.
1: Unbelievable. So let me go back to where you're at, you're at your job at Levi's. You kind of because I remember reading your piece uh, in Barry Weiss's uh, pub, Substack, you you try to bring this up as like thinking everyone would kind of agree with you, right? Like, hey, this is something we can really advocate for,
2: or that I could get them there, right? Okay, you get them over <laughs> the hump a I, little I bit. I was yeah. convincing, sure, sure.
1: Um, and there was pushback immediately, and it wasn't necessarily on the political lines. If I remember right, this was more of like, we can't be talking about public schools because all our kids are actually in the private ones.
2: Yeah, that was basically it. It was sort of fear of being exposed as elitist. And, you know, I accepted that answer. I didn't like it. But first of all, they already know you are. Right, right, <laughs> you're, yeah. you're very wealthy executives. I'm including myself in that. You know, I was paid yeah. well, but I had chosen to send my kids to public school. I thought it was important to be part of the community. But it was never, it was never about doing the right thing. It was always about what team were you on mm-hmm. and to... to to, to sort of take this one side and conceal this other fact that they actually were these wealthy executives breaking the rule. I mean, it wasn't a broken rule because the private schools were allowed to be open, but it was proof that they actually didn't think school was too dangerous. But you had to take that side. It was this is the team we're on. This is the blue team. This is the progressive team. We care. Meanwhile, I'm gonna send my kids to school over
1: here. Mm, That's very Gavin Newsom-esque.
2: But I, well, his kids were in private school Mm -hmm, while he was requiring that the schools stay closed. And the hypocrisy of it just made me crazy. Mm. I said, are you seriously, you're seriously telling me that you get to send your kids to in-person private and you want me to be quiet about 50,000 public school students in San Francisco? You don't think those kids deserve the same? So I didn't stop even when I was warned because mm-hmm. I couldn't tolerate the hypocrisy. That's
1: incredible. Okay, so now you've gone through this whole process. You have a book out and you, know, you talk about uh, that your voice is, is, you've been able to get your voice from this, which is, a, is obviously a good outcome in some ways, but you went through a lot. You lost a job that you loved. Uh, when you look back at all of this, what, what emotion connects with you? Is it, is it anger? Is it, are you inspired to do more? What, what hits you? when you think about it that
2: way? I'm very confident in having done the right thing for myself. I, I wouldn't say it's the right thing for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's um, it's tough, it's hard, I lost a lot. I lost my city, my job, a company I worked in close to 23 years, most of my friends from before times, um, even some family mm. um, for taking this stance, but it was important to me to stand up for what I believed in and my values and principles. And I don't think I could have lived with myself otherwise. So I'll deal with the uncertainty ahead. You know, I had a voice before I obviously used it throughout. Um, but interestingly, this has given me a bigger one and a bigger platform. Um, and I come and talk to, folks like you and I I get to spread the word and really I wanna just encourage people to use their courage and stand up and use your voice in small ways every day and push back on this madness because I was pushed out of my job for saying true things. If that doesn't alarm people that freedom of speech is really at risk in this country, that censorship is real, that government and corporations are acting in lockstep mm. to further very specific messages. It used to be
1: thought of as bad. It <laughs> used to be. Yeah.
2: Very specific messages mm. which aren't even true right. necessarily. And demonizing those who dare to ask questions, if that doesn't alarm you, you are not paying attention.
1: We used to have books about like th- that exact scenario is like a dystopian novel.
2: Yeah, there's a name for it. Yeah,
1: yeah, there is. There is it's,
2: they uh, use it for us. Yeah, but
1: it's, <laughs> very true. Very yeah. true. Uh, Jennifer Say, the new book is Levi's Unbuttoned. The Woke Mob took my job but gave me my voice. Be sure to grab yourself a few copies for the holidays. A great gift when you're talking about this because so many people are not in the position where they feel like they can stand up and use their voice they're you know and if you have people who you think are in that same position this is a great a great book to inspire that exact journey Jennifer thanks so much for coming on the program
2: Thank you for having me thanks.
1: All right. Whether you're buying or selling a home, you know it can be difficult. You know it can be stressful. It can be the type of it's like the holidays, basically. It's it's a a constant period of stress and horror at times. But you need someone on your side working with you. A lot of people will go on the Web. They'll see a house that they like. They'll click the agent below that house and start the process of buying it. That's not always the best way to do it. You should have someone on your side of that transaction. So whether you're buying a home or selling a home, you want to have the best agent in your area, someone who has been screened, someone who has the best results, someone who knows the market and really has a a deep understanding of what this process is, you can find that person at realestateagentsitrust.com. Go there today, provide them with some basic information. The team will contact you to make an introduction to your agent, the best one in your town. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Check it out now, realestateagentsitrust.com. We're like 24 hours away from the Stude's America 2022 Christmas Party Power Hour. Get your Christmas party season started absolutely right by going to Stude'sPowerHour.com. Stude'sPowerHour.com. I will be there, of course. Sarah Gonzalez, Alex Stein, Jason Buttrell, Josh Jennings, and more. You're going to love this one tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern. Now, if you want to watch it go to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash America Follow the show, click like, click the bell. We'll alert you when this thing gets started. It's going to be after this show tomorrow night. So if you're watching this show, uh, you know, it's going to air right after this one on YouTube. And uh, it's going to be quite the adventure, basically. We do the old, like, drinking game where we have one shot of beer per minute for an hour. Starts off calm and sensible and then becomes a complete mess, as you might Uh, uh, realize is probably going to be the case. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun, and it's a great way to kick off the holiday season, at least for everything other than my liver. Uh, It's stewdoespowerhour.com. Check it out, stewdoespowerhour.com. Even after the overturn of Roe versus Wade, abortion's not going away. Unfortunately, that's not the way this works. You need to be able to convince people to persuade people. What's the best way to persuade people? Preborn I think has pretty much figured this out. They introduce moms considering abortion to their unborn children. Children. How do they do that? Through an ultrasound. Once women hear the ultrasound, about 80% of them choose life. But Preborn doesn't stop there. They love and support these mothers with maternity clothes, diapers, counseling, car seats, and so much more for up to two years. Preborn is completely dependent on you, the pro-life community, because who else is going to fight for them? The media is not going to fight for these for these babies. Uh, the, the the left is not going to do it. Politicians don't seem to want to get involved. They just want it to go away as an issue. It's costing us. You know, it's, it's, we're talking about sixty-three million babies here that have been lost to this terrible, terrible regime. Uh, over the past 50 years. For over $28, or for just $28, you can rescue a baby's life. We're looking to do over 50,000 babies. Save them. Uh, can you join us? Can you join us in this effort? It's the end of the year. You might be thinking about, okay, tax-deductible donation. Maybe I'm thinking about charity. This is a great one to reach out for. Pound 250 is what you do on, it's on your cell phone. Use the keyword baby. It's pound 250. The keyword is baby. Help Save babies lives. You can donate securely at preborn.com slash stew. Do it now. Preborn.com slash stew. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is under investigation by the House Ethics Committee. Uh, Why? We don't know exactly. Uh, There's some reporting out there that maybe it's related to her getting free tickets to the Met Gala last year. Um, or was it the year before now? I can't remember. But it's, you know, remember she wrote the she wore the dress that said, like, tax the rich or eat the rich or you know rape the rich or uh, viciously hang and mutilate the rich, something very, very acceptable. Uh, I think it was tax the rich. And she went there with a brave stance to take among other people who voted Democrat 99 percent of the time. Uh, but she got free tickets to this event, it seems like not really allowed with a lot of the details. If it's just that, I mean, she should get a slap of the wrist at the very, very most. But we don't know what it's about yet. We'll keep following it. The House has passed landmark bill, uh, legislation to protect same-sex marriages. They will now send it to Biden's desk. Uh, so this, of course, is the Respect for Marriage Act repealing the Defense of Marriage Act. So we're no longer defending marriage. We just are respecting it. And I hope we got that all settled. This is obviously a law with lots and lots of problems. Even if you're supporting uh, gay marriage, uh, the the cutouts that were proposed by Mike Lee were not accepted, so it is a very very problematic law um, because it attempts to do all sorts of things uh, in addition uh, to uh, same-sex marriage and interracial marriage, which no one was... I mean, it's... It's idiotic. It was going to make no difference. Of course, it was already ruled on by the courts. Their their idea is, well, the courts repealed Roe versus Wade. Maybe they'll do this, too. Have you been watching the polls on this? The the abortion polls stayed around 50 percent. The right opposed it the entire time. You're not seeing that at all uh, when it comes to the uh, same sex marriage issue. It's a it's not even something I mean, look. The reason why some Republicans jumped on board with this because they were sick of being asked about it. And they, they're hoping this issue is going to go away now that they've passed the law. Breaking news, it's not. The media is never going to let you get away with violating whatever new standard they come up with. So, you know, a typical, typical effort by some you know, moderate Republicans to bail themselves out of something that they will continue to face for the rest of their careers. One of the last days you can get your Christmas presents. uh, If you go to studosmerch.com, make sure they're shipped to you in time. Use the code STU20, you'll save 20% off. We got to win the merch war, so help me out. Studosmerch.com. And don't forget, tomorrow night, studospowerhour.com. Yes, we're back for another power hour. Don't miss it on youtube.com slash studosamerica, 9 p.m. Eastern. We'll see you tomorrow.